So much of what has been said about much has been said rather about resources that are available to support employees, especially during times of retrenchments. And we know that our country has been in the grip of uh, retrenchment processes. And one of the things that is often raised is the process uh, that that take place. So how exactly are retrenchments carried out? And uh, some workers feel that, well, it can be done with sensitivity. You know, getting a letter is just so impersonal. Um, and, and, and so uh, it, it raises a lot in terms of people who especially uh, at times have been with organizations for a long, long time. But I wonder, is there a standard way of um, embarking on the process of issuing uh, retrenchment letters? Is there a standard for that? Uh, Boniwe Dunster is an HR professional. Boniwe, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning to your listeners this morning. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oftentimes, you know, we have people that really complain. And, and what we're talking about here is not not necessarily the process of issuing retrenchment letters and whether or not that is right or that is wrong. That's a separate conversation. But the way in which retrenchments themselves are carried out by organizations, is there a way that they can be a much softer landing for employees given how hard a process it is anyway? Um, I think, Katie, one thing that um, we must just agree on is that Retrenchments are very difficult and they are always emotional. Mm. Uh, whether it doesn't matter in which way you do it, there will always be that emotional attachment and that stress that accompanies it. But I think what organizations can actually do to actually make it much, uh, much bearable and more cooperative with the impacted employees is first of all by organizations being as open as possible in terms of the, of communication. What are the real reasons they're actually retrenching people or why they're actually restructuring and sharing information makes it easier for people so that you that you don't have corridor talk and another thing that can also be done is that you know what make sure that the people that are involved in the process especially from a line manager pen, uh, point of view those people are well equipped they are well trained or um, they are actually upskilled with the right information on how to manage uh, such things and then the other thing, uh, Casey, is about those line managers as well, also being available to support the employees that are impacted. And many organizations, they also have a lot of uh, employee wellness offerings. You know, make sure that uh, you, you utilize that effectively. You share the information about your wellness program and all other various support that the organization have so that employees, they can actually have that safety place that they can go to where they can share their emotions and and and, and share and share openly in terms of what they are what they are going through. So I think uh, the leadership having to show up at this um, mm. communication is important. Making sure that your employee wellness offering is adequate to be able to deal with the different reactions of people inside the organization. Is is there a specific way that um, you know these letters should uh, be handed out because? Oftentimes, people feel that the process can be quite impersonal. But does it matter whether you find the letter sitting on your desk waiting for you to come in or if your manager calls you in, has a long conversation with you and then hands you the letter? So legislation is not prescriptive in terms of whether you have to be 
physically there with the person. But what often happens, and also as good practice as well, Katie, is that most often when you issue this letter, because it is a very emotional and a personal um, process, it is important for you to actually be sitting with the people and explaining to them the process, explaining to them why you got there, explaining what are the next steps that are going to that are going to follow. So it would be very impersonal and inconsiderate for a person just to receive a letter on a table without an explanation or a letter on email without an explanation. So what normally happens and what people or organizations often do is that they will actually schedule the time with those impacted employees uh, in their first meeting when they actually issue that uh, business case or that Section 189 letter. And that, and to explain to them what the process is so that it also allows uh, the employees an opportunity to actually ask questions. But what we often see and in my experience is that in that first meeting, normally there isn't really questions because it's unexpected and people are shocked. But with subsequent meetings that are following, you will actually then find people having more questions and seeking clarity. So you also need to, to realize that there's a human element attached to the to the process. So you need to be as personal as you possibly can. But you can just not issue someone a letter without context. As much as they're going to take that letter and they're going to read it and they're going to consult their own um, legal professionals, it, you've got a responsibility as an employer to actually explain the letter that you're giving to a person. So you cannot be just mm-hmm. giving a person mm-hmm. without engaging in a conversation. And now with the with COVID-19, we know that we can't really gather in a boardroom or at premises. You know, it is imperative for you to make sure that you set up those virtual meetings or those virtual town halls and the right people that are needed in the room are in attendance and they're able to explain to, to the people. So it cannot be uh, impersonal and you just find the letter in an envelope and there's no one talking to you about the context of the letter because not everybody's a labor law expert. And is there a point where employee, where employers can say, I feel that, you know, I, I have explained this as much as possible. I've tried my best to support. And after that, uh, where they can, where can, where they can disengage from the process, um, simply because they feel that, you know, regardless of what they say, people are just not being responsive. Unfortunately, Katie, if you have taken a decision as an employer to embark on this process, you can't disengage from the process. You have to see the process uh, through. And employees that are also impacted, they also have that um, that responsibility of having to see the, the process through. But like I said, and sometimes the people that are impacted, they're actually at different levels. So you need to make sure that the messages that you put across, whether it's senior people that are impacted, whether it's junior people that are impacted, that all stakeholders, they actually get to understand the message to their level. So you, it, like the amount of communication and the amount of support that you provide can never be enough. Because as an employer, you also want from your side to be, to be comfortable to say, at the end of the process, I have done everything possible within my power or within my jurisdiction to provide all that, uh, to provide all that support. So you cannot midway and say, these people are difficult. These people, they do not want to engage. And as such, I'm, 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 I'm pulling away. And that is why also legislation also um, allows employer, uh, employers to also bring in facilitators if they feel that them driving their own process with the employees is not being uh, constructive, they're not getting to the end goal, they're more than welcome to actually get an external facilitator to actually help them with the, with the process. But unfortunately, because of the difficult process, you need to continue sharing, you need to continue providing the support, and sometimes even 
ask the employees to say, you don't feel supported. What kind of support do you require from me that I have not um, that I have not provided? Because we cannot just assume that what we are providing is sufficient if we are not the recipient of that support. So being open with the with the employees and allowing them the opportunity to participate and to share what their needs and concerns are also helps with the process. I'm I'm listening to you speak and just from previous conversations that we've had around issues of retrenchments, what you're saying really sounds like uh, a dream for for many employees (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, people often are not dealt with in in the way that in in the way that you're, you're describing. Uh, yes, yes, Kathy. You know, it really sounds, it really sounds like a dream and it really sounds like easy when someone really talks about, uh, talks about the process. But I think what also, what, what, what's also important is for us, like I said earlier on, that it is important for organizations to also get to upskill, uh, the line managers that are actually doing the groundwork with the, with the process and also get to upskill the, the employees, uh, as well. One of the gaps that we find in other corporates and sometimes probably in small organizations, you find that um, employees and managers are not really upskilled and equipped when it comes to, to labor relations generally, you know, even if it's not about uh, retrenchment, like there isn't that. And I think the more we actually upskill and educate people, the more people are in a better position to engage, the more they are in a better position to question, and the more they're in a better position to, to, to engage. Sometimes the tension and the friction also comes from lack of knowledge, Kathy. You know, but again, it's from the beginning, the organization has clearly articulated the reasons that why they are actually embarking on the, on the retrenchments, and you actually share enough information as an employer uh, to the employees, it somehow uh, makes it easier. Legislation puts the burden on employers to share enough information with the impacted people on the reasons, whether it be because of financial constraints, whether it's technological, whether it's political or economical. You need to actually share the information on why, share the numbers, share the structures. If there is, if profitability is an issue, share what how the company has performed leading to you making that decision. Mm-hmm. If it's technological, explain the technology that has been adopted into the organization, the efficiencies that it has brought, uh, what is what is going to bring, what is the impact is going to be on the organization, positive and negative to the people. And often people just don't understand the why. And the why is very important at the beginning. Hence I said you can't just give a letter without having to explain. And if then letters are just issued without the explanation, that is the start of a bad engagement, of a bad negotiation. Boniwe Dunster is an HR professional. She's talking about the process of retrenchments, in particular how it is that employees should be handled when embarking on this process. I'm keen to hear some of uh, your stories. What has been your uh, practical experience with organizations out there? Uh, the number to use this morning, 011-714-2006. On WhatsApp, it's 614 You can also so SMS us on 41391. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. 
All right, it's 23 after 11 and we're continuing with our Labour talk today and we're focusing on uh, the issue of retrenchments just from a slightly different angle. And this is how employees are treated during those during that process and what it is that uh, are the rights of people actually. So what are the things that you can ask for um, during such a process? What are you entitled to as an employee of an organisation? Boniwe Dunster is an HR professional and she is joining us for this conversation. Boniwe, you know, of course, one of the things is that during these processes, if you as an employee are being retrenched, um, you're not necessarily somebody that the company is looking to keep happy because you're about to leave them. So if the process, just like what you have been outlining, is not followed, is there any recourse that's available to you? So if you're not supported in the way that you need to be supported, is there actually something you can do about it? Uh, yes, Katie. Of course, there is always uh, there is always a recourse when you talk about like unfair labor practice. So sometimes depending on the size of the organization, but uh, if the process is not well followed, uh, but firstly, in the beginning, you do have... Um, organizations that are unionized. So people actually belong to a union and their unions will actually be be there to actually represent them. And if um, an individual is unhappy with the process, they can actually take that to their, to their unions. Like I said, depending on the size of the, of the organization and the number of people that have been impacted, employees can actually go to the CCMA as well, you know, as a recourse to, as a recourse to the retrenchment. And then they can also then go to the, uh, to the lab, to the labor court as well. So there is always recourse post, uh, post the process and actually during the, during the process as well. So if you're unhappy, you can't just then keep quiet. And especially if you know that certain processes need to be, to be followed, you can actually reach out to your union. You can reach out to the CCMA. You can reach out to the, to the, to the, to the labor court. And one thing that I was speaking about earlier to say, when you actually explain the why, when you issue that section 189 letter, it is very imperative that your letter also includes what the process is going to be and what your rights are going to be as um, as outlined into into the legislation. For example, if you are if you are unionized, you can have your union representing you. If you are not, then you need to form part of of the consultation process to represent yourself as the to represent yourself as the as the employee. Uh, organizations they actually have to go through a consultation process, which is like a 60-day uh, consultation process. So there are a number of uh, of rights and number of things that employees need to be aware of when embarking on this process, and it is the responsibility of organizations to make sure that they communicate such to their people. All right, Boniwe, I'm going to start taking some callers now. Uh, Johannes, you've dialed in from Whitbank. Good morning. Hello. Hi. How are you, Kathy? I'm all right. How are you? I'm fine, Kathy. Uh, Kathy, I hear, I'm greeting everyone with mm-hmm. your visitor in the studio. Mm-hmm. Kathy, I hear uh, you people are talking about these retrenchments and the rest of the things that are happening. Can please also involve uh, this thing of the retrenchments well by the companies? A lot of companies, I'm working for one of the companies, uh, companies are getting pulled by the councillors in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the local uh, level. Then that thing, it costs the company to suffocate. And uh, thereafter, the company to suffocate, the company has to retrench some of the people. 
then the workers are taking immediately the workers are taking the the the, the employer to the labor department mm. now the councillor is standing behind the people is no more coming up front how so let's say they gave you the project of one of one million then you know the material is going to be five hundred thousand the two hundred thousand is for the payment of the workers and you still have to pay first there they bring people who will take one brick for five minutes walking with a brick to another site and coming back and now by then the company is suffocating when the employer starts saying uh, i'm suffocating i need to retrench some people they tell the employer about the economical radical transformation or something then people are coming to pull the employer because of the employer is not from the local can they please the human resource uh, please address these things to the seniors to some people to say look your political people who are getting involved into the project they are letting the economy to suffer because at the end of the day, someone is coming from Deben and has got a project in Northwest. Mm. They're going to tell that person who must be higher, must not hire. At the, end of that, at the end of the day, when that person doesn't deliver the production of the company that is expected, then the company has to look aside. And then the councillor comes in. When they come in, they take this guy to the CCMA. When the guy is starting to retrench, there is a problem about that. Mm. All what you are saying, I hear, but as long as there is a political influence of the councillors in the local influencing people to not to do their work because of this project is theirs, our economy is not going to go anywhere. We're going to receive the retrenchment each and every day. Can please the HR get involved and represent this thing to the seniors in the government, please? Thank All you right. very much. Okay, so so we'll get Boniwe to to respond at least to some of the issues that she can speak to. Uh, that will be after the 11.30 news headlines. Of course, it's aging towards 11.30. Nandika Bjorkas is standing by with the latest headlines. And at the top of 12 o'clock, we will, of course, be handing you over to Sakina Kamwendo. SAFM. Prime time all day long. We continue to focus on our labor talk and we're speaking about the issue of retrenchments. Boniwe Dunster is an HR professional. Boniwe, maybe an opportunity for you to respond to the issues that Johannes was raising. Hi, Kathy. So I think the issue with Johannes is more on the, on, on the political side, uh, you know, more over the, the, the retrenchment the retrenchment process because it mainly talks about uh, the tender process who gets awarded the tenders people that come outside uh, various uh, municipalities and the, the contractors that they that they hire so I think it's actually completely two separate uh, separate conversation but mm. I think what is important is that uh, we know that the recruitment process and the tender process they also need to be fair. And there's been a number of uh, of investigations and of um, inquiries that are actually then getting to to focus into into this. Having to talk about radical economic transformation and talking about the fair labor practices and actually who gets awarded these tenders, it's a conversation for it's for a conversation for another day that we need to to embark on. So mm-hmm. I think on that regard, I will just say that the process just needs to be fair. The right people within the municipal level, the provincial government and the national government need to make sure and they need to make they need to apply due process or due diligence rather 
with the appointments of the tenders and how they are, and how the executors or the SMEs deliver on that work. Mm-hmm. But obviously, with HR as an as an SME, you actually have your own way of having to manage your your own people and your own HR consultants that you that you utilize, and those are actually not managed within the the municipalities that are actually offering that job. Mm. Okay. I hope that I hope that's clear. Yeah. Uh, Anonymous from East London says, Kathy, I was retrenched from work. A settlement or severance package was reached. My last day was December and I had to call my employer about my December salary. I'm still waiting for the money. Can you guess clarify for me what is the time frame for a company to pay out the settlement? So normally when we embark on the recruitment process and also in your in your section one eight nine letter or your retrenchment letter, it will clearly then state out the money that is actually then due to you, uh your severance package, uh your severance package, your your retirement fund, your leave and your your notice, your notice period. So they will actually then stipulate the timelines, uh the timelines within uh that letter. But however you cannot go above uh ninety days or three months of not having paid people their their money. What they also need to understand as well is that what is due to them, their last month's salary is due to them, their notice period is due to them, their leave days is due to them, and their severance package um, is due to them. And with their letter of termination, it will clearly stipulate when will your money be paid to you. But it should not be longer than uh, than 90 days. And most employees, they actually try to make sure, to make sure that they actually pay that on the last month when the person is being terminated so that to lessen the financial burden on the employee. It's not fair for employers to actually hold back on people's money. Absolutely. So uh, by by all indications, there could well be something that is not really in line happening there. Let me go to Velifani in the Eastern Cape. Good morning. Morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm okay. Compliments of the new year. I don't yes. know where that ends. Uh, I, I, I think I, I, by the end I, of the I month, think, we should stop. I think probably after the 15th, we're away over it, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. go for okay. it. Um, Kathy, uh, I was also retrained. I think it was 2014. I was working for, for, for a big company. Um, I can tell you it's not an easy process. It's not an easy process, especially under the current economic climate where it's very difficult to find jobs. I really, really think that people that are going to be sort of like meeting out that process need to need to do it with extra caution and sensitivity, you know. I think we have to go beyond beyond being obsessed about processes to say we are doing we are doing according to the processes. We need to understand that it's it's someone losing their ability to put food on the table. Absolutely, you know, yes, uh, and, yes. and, and the, the implications of that are quite big. And, they are quite uh, I, big, yes. Exactly, then those, those are the, the realities. In terms exactly. of the process, um, were you able to relate with what Boniwe was saying? I mean, is that how your company did it? Absolutely, but the problem is that our company mm-hmm. was quite a big company, so it, there, there, was, there was not much of a, of a, of a, of a um, how do I put it, there was no personal touch to it because you know, like you're dealing with the, with, the, with the HR in in, in Joburg, mm. HR office in Durban, in mm. Joburg, and you, I was working in Durban at the time in uh, in Balito. so it wasn't it was quite an impersonal process and it was quite painful and mm. you know yeah so it was quite sad. But also there's a gentleman that came in, I think it was from Whitbank, and I think it would be interesting to actually look at that because as much as companies can close down and and people can lose their jobs and everything, but Having, having got another job and moved into senior management, I've had a different view in how people 
play a role in companies going on their knees and closing down and jobs actually being lost. As much as we may try and make it seem as if it's the employers that are being selfish and everything, but you find people that, that don't perform deliberately, people that sabotage the company, they steal, yeah. and they do all sorts of things. And then there's politics involved where there's labor unions that are pushing the company to the edge. Mm. And then the result of that is people losing jobs. And I think it's a topic we need to look at uh, um, at some point yeah, because ab- it's, absolutely. Contributing, it's contributing to unemployment. Mm, mm. And, yeah, and I suppose yeah. the, the nuance that it adds there is is also quite, it's quite important, especially yeah. for those people who are working on projects uh, that that have been received via tenders because yeah. you, you're dealing in a, in a situation where we currently have this increase with the construction mafia. So if your tender is a, uh, you know, part of those that uh, are in construction, oftentimes you have the locals that will come, these individuals that will take over your site. And so exactly. you can't pay and they, money. And they'll, and they'll start throwing around demands oh, and they'll tell it, you how you should pay people. It is a horrible and, situation. And when you look at the performance that the mm. people are giving, you find mm. that it's not it's not viable for yeah. you to have that kind of unskilled labor and that kind of performance. Even in companies that are not projects, like the company that I'm working for, mm. we do a lot of manual labor. We've got a warehouse. We could be getting heists and everything to go mm. and work there, but we're still labor intensive. Mm. But, you, but, but in the event where people are not performing, they're not doing their work as they should, they, 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 they are damaging goods and all of that, the company might be tempted to move to technology and then yeah. people are going to be out of work. Mm. And then it's going to seem as if the company is being selfish and all of that. At the end of the day, I've only said that the baker started the bakery not because he wanted to provide employment. He wanted to make money and he saw a need and he needed you to assist him and he paid you to assist him to achieve that. All right, Velifani, let me yes. thank you for that call. Uh, okay, he's out in the Eastern Cape. Thanks a lot for your contributions. We've got a couple of more callers that have been lined up, so we'll take a quick break and I'm back with Boniwe and uh, the rest of our callers. Kathimo Sasana on SAFM. All right, we're talking about the retrenchment processes and also just hearing some of uh, your own personal experiences and hearing exactly what it is that companies have to do. Um, this is just in terms of issuing some of uh, those letters. Steve, uh, I believe that you're out on the road. Yeah, yeah. Let me switch off my radio, sorry. Please, please. All right. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to the listeners. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm okay. This is my first time. Oh, welcome. You're a first-time caller. Welcome, Steve. <laughs> I told correct. you, they find their applause for the unnecessary moments. When we really need the applause, it's nowhere <laughs> to be found. Ah, <laughs> uh, look at me, having to swallow uh, my words. <laughs> okay. uh, what an interesting show, Kathy. Uh, this is on behalf of my brother. He's in retirement now. Now, what I wanted to ask you is, what is the time frame, you know, for the company or whoever is holding the money to pay? Because it's been over over four months now without even getting a cent for his retirement. All right, you know, Steve. Th- thanks for that question. And I believe that uh, somebody else had also asked it earlier. Boniway, if, if I'm not mistaken, you said that it should take the company not more than 90 days to pay out. So somebody like Steve's brother, what should he do? 
Um, so what you should do is that you should then uh, follow up with the employer, and if there is no uh, if there is no satisfaction there, then he must actually then refer the matter to to the CCMA so that they can uh, they can they can intervene because this is an unfair labor practice. Because the money that they are supposed to be giving to employees, they need to be they need to be received, you know. And sometimes you find that an, an organization was uh, retrenching because it was being liquidated or it was being insolvent. But the money that the people are entitled to, they actually have to they actually have to get them, unless it was stated otherwise with regard to the with regard to the time frame. So I would actually advise the brothers to actually uh, uh, go to the CCNA, uh, lodge an uh, an unfair labor practice so that they can actually then intervene in making sure that um, the employee then receives the money or the ex-employee rather receives the money. All right. Thanks for that, uh, Boniwe. Let me go to Erastus in Whitbank. Erastus. Hello. Hi. Katie, retrenchment is a very, very difficult and painful subject. Eh? Mm, mm. The gentleman who called and spoke about the people who are threatening the company, bringing the company down, he's 100% correct. Mm. As we speak now, I am on my way to another retrenchment meeting. Yesterday, I was in another retrenchment meeting whereby when you explain to people the procedure of retrenchment and the alternative to retrenchment, for example, you can share hours. Instead of working four weeks, maybe work two weeks this month, uh, this month, and next month, two weeks, and so forth. Other people, they don't buy to their ideas. Instead, you get the calls from uh, political parties. You get calls from uh, organizations, uh, community organizations, threatening to shut the company down. And the very employees, some of them, they start stealing. They start not performing. It is very, very difficult. But you find that they're out there. There are people who are more than willing to work. People are more than willing to save their jobs so that they can support their families. It's a very, very difficult subject. And as for the issue of uh, notice, I heard the lady saying, even after the process, they've gone through the process, you must still be paid the notice. I am not sure about that because the law, if the law requires me to give you 30 or 60 days notice and to start the negotiations or the consultation period, once I have done that and I've complied with the rule, so there is no need for a company to pay you a notice unless, of course, Katie, I approach you today to say, listen, we are leaving on Friday. Therefore, look at the number of years that you've worked and the law gives you a guideline as to this is what you need to pay for a notice because you failed to give me enough notice. Thank you very much and good morning. So, so Erastus, I think yes. I think just before you go, um, yes. on on the issue of the notice, my my yes. under, um, or, or rather not the notice, the issue that you're raising, I think it was about the payment. So people yes. want to know how long a company should take before um, they're able to get their full payments that were agreed on as part of the retrenchment process. Under normal circumstances, Katie, if I am giving you a letter, section on 89, to say that I am going to be retrenching and so forth, I start the consultation process. As soon as I've identified the number of people who will be retrenched and so forth, give them letters, tell them that they will be affected by that. By their last working days, surely, normally, they should get everything that is due to them, including their prorata leave and any mm. money that is due to them. All those necessary arrangements should be made. Rather than a person is out in the street, out there, now they must battle to come and get their money that way it is wrong katie when a person leaves they must get everything so they're supposed to get their money immediately uh, when they leave the organization today is my last working day i am mm. leaving 
surely I must get all my money, be it pro rata lease, be it if, if I was not given a notice, be it a notice pay, everything that is due to me. Unless, of course, the company says, listen here, we can no longer carry you. We want you to leave now, but we'll pay you until month mm. end. So month end, you get everything that belongs. You don't have to wait for another week or month or so forth, struggle to get your money. That is wrong. And Erastus, tell me, do you work in the space? What do you do? I'm a labor law practitioner. I work in the space. I'm every day at the CTMA, every day at the labor court. Yeah, all right. I, I could tell that you do quite a bit of work. And you're telling us about uh, these meetings that you've had to go up and down. I can't yeah. imagine how difficult it must be for you and, as and well. I'm also a parent. To tell mm. people that the job is finished. Good morning, Kitty. Mm. All right, Erastus. Thanks Thank for that call. Uh, Vincent in Midrand, hello. Um, I'd just like to, to, to really find out where is the creativity in changing things and changing the circumstance. I'm asking this question because SABC is one of the companies that shouldn't be looking at retrenching, but looking at the dynamics of change. Why do we have this? Vincent? Hello, Vincent? All right, we're going to have to let Vincent go. Uh, unfortunately, that's where we're going to leave it for today. Uh, Boniwe, maybe before I let you go, just some of your own final reflections uh, as part of this conversation. Um, thank you, Katie, for that, and thank you for all the questions and participation from your from your listeners. Mm. I think for me, what is uh, what is important, uh, especially from an organizational level, is that they need to know or note that leadership is the organization's primary resource for ensuring that the successful retrenchments are, are carried out. So leaders cannot remove themselves in terms of their involvement and in terms of their participation in the in the in the process you know and uh history has also proven that there is a positive relation between management support during the retrenchment and the employee commitment to the to the process as well so it is very important for uh for organizations to be uh, highly involved to share information as much as they can and to be transparent um to be transparent at at all times and then there was another caller that also made mention of sometimes they feel that the support is not there. I think it is also important that uh, we provide as organizations sufficient or adequate support to all the people that are impacted, uh, whether positively or negatively. Like I said earlier, in terms of the, the wellness programs that they, they provide, the line, man- like the line manager, the first manager, your first line manager must also be there for you as an employee, as that is also your immediate uh, your immediate support. So it is important for them to also be uh, to be available and to be involved. So the responsibility of having to provide support cannot solely uh, lie on, on on human resources because human resources they are the custodians of the of the process. So they need to make sure that there is adequate uh, support provided, and they also share the details around that. You know, and they also host those counselling sessions, the group sessions, the individual the individual sessions um, as well. And I'd also like to also encourage employers to make sure that they pay people's money because I think that came out uh, now in the end by a few people. Like I said, it is important for people to be receiving their money because you had actually been entered into this process and we know what it entails and you would have made your your, your numbers in terms mm-hmm. of what is it that you're mm-hmm. going to pay. So please, uh, the process is very emotional, it's very personal, and it has like a long-term emotional and psychological impact on employees. So let us also as employers also be sensitive uh, in that regard as well to, to avoid a lot of issues, to avoid CCNA referrals and labor courts and all of those. Mm-hmm. So let us be personal 
about the, the process. It's impersonal, but let's try to personalize it as much as we possibly can. Boniwe Dunster, let me thank you so much for your time today. She is an HR professional. And yeah, thank you all for your contributions to that conversation as well. Uh, I'm still seeing some messages are coming in on our WhatsApp line about the connection, uh, the, the frequency in terms of whether you're able to hear us clearly or not. Our technicians are working on it and I'm seeing uh, messages coming in from different parts of the country. So uh, there certainly does seem to be something up there. So uh, it, it is being worked on and just keep us posted in terms of whether or not it is corrected. All right. Um, when we come back, I'm going to be speaking to Kerry Lee Pascal. We're talking about uh, sustainability in particular for organizations that are in the non-profit space.